Good morning. Welcome, welcome for all of you who are here in the sanctuary and those of you that are at home joining with us. We welcome you. We're grateful that you're here and that you're a part with us. Um, I began last week talking to you about the blueprint that God has for us as a people as we begin to draw nearer to 2021. I hope that you recognize that none of us, whether individually or corporately, are just kind of wandering around doing our own thing. We're all here for a purpose, and God has instilled that into the fiber of our being. In fact, one of the things that I discovered some years ago is that when you read the Scriptures, one of the ways in which God actually judges people, His judgment is to allow them to wander around aimlessly in circles. That's His judgment. Just like the children of Israel wandering around in the desert for 40 years, He allows them to have their own way. But for those who make a decision to follow hard after God, it is a far more linear experience. We are going someplace. And God, God's Word tells us that we are actually going someplace. We're on a mission, and it's His larger mission. And it's something of a, a symbiotic relationship in that you help the church to reach their global mission, whereas the church as a whole helps you to reach your individual mission and that which God calls you to. So, I want to pick up there. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 3, if you would. Or turn in your phone to Joshua 3, whatever it is that you use. Joshua chapter 3, picking up there with this whole idea. God is taking us somewhere as a people. Joshua 3.1 says this. Are you there? That's in the Old Testament. Joshua, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. What's next? Oh yeah, Joshua. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. So, why does somebody rise up early in the morning? How many of you guys here are early morning people? How many of you think the morning doesn't start until 10 or 11? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it all depends upon what your night looks like, right? Uh, when you're a mom or a dad, most of you have experienced that your mornings aren't controlled by you any longer. They're controlled by what time the kids decide to get up, and if they decide to get up early, then you get up early. Um, when you get to be my age, you get up early. You get up early and you get up often because you have need. That's right. And so for us, we're early morning people whether we want to be or not. But sometimes the reason why you get up early is because you're looking forward to something. Like, how many of you, when you know you're going on vacation the next morning, find it hard to sleep that night? And you're up first thing in the morning and you're ready to go because phew, we finally get a break and we can get out of here. So you're excited about it. It's like you're thrilled to be able to get up early. But what I have also found is that all of us tend to put off what we don't want to do, what we don't like, what we don't enjoy. So we're going to put it off as long as we can. I want to stay in bed and pull the covers up over my head as long as I can because I'm not so sure that this day portends anything good or enjoyable to me. Uh, I want to suggest to you 
that in Joshua, Joshua had a much different reason for getting up early. Look at it, Joshua 3.1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So they had an anticipation. They had an expectation of what was going to be happening. So they arose early. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. May God add His blessings to the reading of His Word. Um, how many of you would say that 2020 has happened exactly as you had anticipated back in 2019? Yeah. The truth is, all of us have been thrown a curve the like of which I don't think we've ever seen in our lifetime. I think probably all of us had plans that we have had to set aside, haven't we? Um, most of you guys know that when my wife and I go away on vacation, Karen and I like to go south. We like it to be warm and sunny. And I like the ocean, by the way. I want, I want there's something so soothing about the immensity of the ocean and knowing that God says He holds that ocean in the palm of His hand. So I find it just so relaxing and warm and soothing to me. Well, this year, because of the pandemic, uh, everything to the south was pretty much closed down other than Oklahoma, and I don't know what's in Oklahoma. So we made the decision to go in the opposite direction. We ended up going to Maine and New Hampshire for our vacation, and it was cold. I would go out in the morning for my workout, and I mean, there are other people out there dressed somewhat normally, but I have on a winter hat gloves, a coat, and long pants. And they're out there with shorts and t-shirt on. I'm thinking only people from Maine would be that crazy. But uh, I found that our plans were interrupted. Uh, I heard of someone recently who had to cancel their 50th wedding anniversary party, their 70th birthday party, and their trip to Florida, all because of the sudden shift caused by COVID-19 this year. And Karen and I, of course, are not the only ones that had to scramble at the loss of a loved one during the pandemic and knowing that we could not do a funeral as normal. We have friends right now who have loved ones who are in hospitals or nursing homes that they cannot go and visit. We have another friend who contacts us regularly whose parents live just over the border in Canada and they have not been able to see them all this time because the passageway to Canada is closed. So 2020 has not been the kind of year that any of us anticipated. Uh, I heard uh, not too long ago that there's a new 
diagnosis that doctors have come up with. It's called pandemic fatigue. Any of you guys got it? It's like you're just sick of the whole thing. You just want it over. Want to go back to the good old days? Um, I heard recently of some studies that indicate that nearly, this this is interesting, by the way, this is a true study, nearly 20% of people who get COVID-19 end up with some mental or emotional problems. Now, I don't even have COVID-19, but I think that explains why I am the way I am. I don't know about you. Um, We're probably at heart, all of us, a bit disappointed and discouraged, a bit depressed, maybe even some frustrated and angry and some fearful over all the stuff that's been going on. And what I have tried to say to you from the beginning, and I know that for some of you, you don't necessarily agree with my approach. I understand that. But I have tried to say to you from the very beginning, that all that has been going on is it's like the perfect storm for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that this pandemic, COVID-19, in many ways has opened people's hearts like never before to hear about the hope that we have in God. In fact, another way of saying that would be it's like fertile soil for the seed of the gospel. And I hope that wherever you go, you talk less about politics and less about COVID and more about Jesus. And that's what this is about. Are you a kingdom person? Because a lot of people believe in God, but that doesn't mean they're followers of God, and it doesn't mean that they're kingdom people. So what I have been trying to say to you from the very first moment that we heard about this, we closed down church and I sat right about where Gary is and I preached to the camera and you at home. From the very beginning to this day, I've tried to talk to you about what it means to be a kingdom person. You see, I believe that contrary to what many people think, many people in the world, what people need is not for COVID-19 to go away. What people need is not for a vaccine. And I know you're not going to like this, but what people need is not for the whole family to be able to get together for Thanksgiving. What people need is Jesus Christ. What people need is the presence of the living God. More than anything else, we need Jesus. Jesus is the only hope for this world. Now last week, and I I don't want to take a lot of time, But last week I began to talk to you out of Joshua 1 about God bringing the people into a new day. A a, a new dawning was happening for the children of Israel. And God gives some instruction to Joshua to help the people to prepare. The first thing I said to you was that they needed to be willing to let go of the past. In other words, I think the way I worded it was there had to be a stepping out in order for there to be a stepping in. You have to let some things go. I appreciate our past. I appreciate our history. I appreciate all that God has done for us. I am sincere when I say I love what God has done in us as a people. What He has done in me individually and us corporately. But in order for us to move on to that new thing that God has for us that's even better, we have to be willing to not grasp the old. Those good old days. I believe that as good as manna and quail was falling from the sky, as good as water was from the rock, that wasn't going to be their answer in this new day and in this new place. A new day demanded new strategy and new leadership. 
The second thing I said to you was that God told Joshua they had to arise. We all love the idea of something new and better, but I guess the question is, are you willing to pay the price for that new and better? Because to arise means it doesn't just happen by accident. You have a part in it. If we want something new as a people, we have to be willing to be partnering with God in what He is doing. We have to get out of the boat of the familiar and not stuck in our old ruts of comfort and convenience. The kingdom of God is always advancing. And anytime we stop and say, I, I, I like the old better, we are in danger of getting caught in a rut that unfortunately has two ends at each end. It's called our grave. We're no longer growing. We're no longer changing. We're being left behind. And then the third thing I said to you last week was the very first thing they had to deal with as they made the decision to rise up, to move forward, as they made that decision, the first thing they confronted was an obstacle called the Jordan River at flood stage. They had to be willing to confront obstacles. And I guarantee there is nothing that God calls us to that doesn't call us to confront some obstacles, whether internal obstacles or external obstacles. And I want to suggest to you that those obstacles were never intended to deter us or to delay us. They were intended to train us for that which God has. As the children of Israel were making their way into the land, this is what God says. He says this in Judges chapter 3. These are the nations which the Lord left. God left them there with a purpose. The Lord left that He might test or prove Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan, this was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. In other words, God says, I'm leaving obstacles in place so that you can learn how to fight through them. So that you can learn how to do battle. And that you can actually grow in it. And I want to be clear. None of the obstacles that Joshua faced were easy. It wasn't like Joshua had some kind of easy answer for it. Every obstacle needed, required a God answer. And God does the same thing for us. He says in verse 3 of chapter 3, look back at it, the text. I want us to now jump into this new thing that I want us to see. They commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. For the children of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Inside of it were the Ten Commandments, the golden jar of manna, and Aaron's rod that had budded. But most of all, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. So number four in my list of things that are needed to happen for us to move into this new day that God has for us. Number four, they needed to keep a clear eye on the presence of God. And my question to you is, where have you been looking? Where has your eye been recently? Are you spending more time watching Fox News or CNN? Where are you causing your focus to be? What is it that you're looking at that draws your attention? Whenever there's a new thing that's going on, God challenges us with situations that we can't figure out so that we will recognize the only way through is by keeping our eyes on Him. 
Years ago, uh, there was a thing that was very well known, and kids used to wear uh, these kinds of uh, wristbands. And on the wristbands, it had just four letters. Do you remember what they were? W, what, what does that stand for again? What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He says, I only do that which I see my Father doing. That was Jesus' answer. See, the temptation is to get our eyes on everything else. But Jesus, even in His way to the cross, kept His eyes on the Father. We need to, and this is kind of an old farming term, but we need to put blinders on our eyes. You know how a horse or uh, one of the animals they used in plowing would get distracted by things around them, so they would put blinders on them so that they could only see straight ahead. We need to put blinders on, blocking out all but His presence. That's what King Jehoshaphat said years later when they, the children of Israel, were faced with another obstacle, a a foe that seemed like it was unbeatable, could not be defeated. And so King Jehoshaphat went to prayer and he said, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's what Joshua was really trying to say to the people. They were in uncharted waters. So what do you do when everything around you is changing and everything is in uproar, like this year with COVID-19, like this year with the election cycle? What is it that we are to do as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ? We're to keep our eyes on Him. More than all of the rhetoric around you, more than arguing about things, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus and to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I believe that's what God is saying to us. As we're getting ready to finish out 2020, which has been a year like no other, and go into 2021, I believe that what God is saying to us is we need to keep our eyes on Him or else we're going to end up wandering around in circles and wondering why things are not going well for us. Think about what's been going on in our own nation. Uh, The morality and the morale of our nation has reached, I think, an all-time low. People arguing, families splitting apart, people leaving churches, not because of the gospel or the kingdom or anything else, they're leaving churches over issues of politics, over issues of philosophy and approach. The world wants us to think this is the new norm. This is the way it's always going to be. But I don't believe God has ever called us to live our lives in fear and in doubt. This isn't about us coming up with some new rules and regulations where we make sure the chairs are perfect distance apart and we make sure every mask that you wear has FLC written on it so that it can protect you from all germs. That's not what this is about. This is about His presence. And my question to you honestly is, and I want you to take a moment and think about it, Have you been walking and experiencing His presence? I'm not talking about when you come into church and we have worship. I'm talking about on a day-by-day basis, do you press into the presence of the Lord? The presence of the living God among us. What this church needs and what the world needs is the overwhelming presence of God. We need revival like we have never needed it before. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1.11, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, 
being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His own will. Did you hear that? God's not up in heaven worried about what's going on on earth. God's not trying to get in on the hotline to the president so that He can figure out what to do. God does all things according to the counsel of His own will. Nothing has caught God by surprise. Nothing has shocked Him. And God has a plan for it all. And that is that you and I would be the light of the world. We would be the glory of God, displaying brightly God's purposes for planet Earth. You and I are a part of His will, a part of His answer for the will. And we don't proclaim the goodness of God out of one side of our mouth and then spew anger and frustration out the other side. James says, brothers and sisters, these things ought not be. So the fourth thing that God says to Joshua is, you need to keep your eyes upon the presence of the Lord. That's why he says to keep a space between you and the ark. Because otherwise it would be too easy if you got ahead a little bit or you got distracted by things around you to lose sight of it. He says, keep just a little bit of distance, but keep your eye on the ark of the presence of God. The fifth thing that God said to Joshua is in verse 5. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The fifth thing is to sanctify yourself. The word sanctify means to consecrate, to commit yourself. It's the idea that I am all in no matter what. No turning back. No turning back. Hebrews 10.39 says, We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. So yes, there will be obstacles. Yes, there will be challenges. There will be enemies. And there is an enemy, an enemy, behind all other enemies. But as we keep our eyes on Jesus and as we commit ourselves to His purpose, He says He will do wonders among us. He will show His glory to us and to the world. So God calls us as a body to a new day and a new thing that He's doing in this new day. And yes, there will be challenges, but we can't stay in the old days any longer. We have to be willing to move forward with that which God has for us. It's a new day, and God does new things in this new day. And what that also means is that God raises up new anointed people who actually carry the sword of the Lord for God's purposes for them, even as God did with Joshua replacing Moses. Moses led them with a stick in his hand, a rod that he used for guiding the sheep. Along come Joshua with a sword in his hands and says, now we need not just a shepherd, we need a warrior. So, what does all of this mean for Family Life Church? I believe that as a church, we are coming into New Day. This is kind of like a State of the Union address, except for us, it's not the Union, it's us, the church. I believe God is bringing us into a new day in which God wants to do some new things among us. And yes, it could be a get bit scary for some. Some people don't like change. I know a lot of people say, oh, I like change, until that change impacts you, until it changes your life. And so then, suddenly, we find ourselves resisting change and wanting it the way it used to be. But God comes and says, if you're going to have this new day, you have to be willing to commit yourself. You have to rise up. Commit yourself to walking in that which God has for us. And, and 
There is nothing that has happened, whether it be COVID-19 or President Trump or President-elect Biden or um, Governor Cuomo. There is nothing that has happened on any of that level that has caused God to come up with a plan B. God always only has one plan, his plan for us. Now, one of the things that I am aware of is that over the years, we have been truly blessed by having so many people that have such hearts of servant leadership. We have people who have been trained at Elam, yes, but even people that weren't trained at Elam, we have folks that God has raised up with just a wonderful heart for him that love to volunteer and to serve the church of God. Uh, I, I go, because of my responsibilities with Elam Fellowship, I sometimes travel to other churches and I sit down with other pastors, and I have heard pastors after pastors say to me, I wish we even had one young leader who would help us to carry this load. Just one. And here we are as a church full of people who love to serve God and his purposes for them. Um, I believe that we have been and are a blessed people. We are a people who have first committed to God, but then committed to his church. And in order for that new thing that God has for us to come about, even as Moses did with Joshua, as uh, Elijah did with Elisha, as Eli did with Samuel, as Paul did with Timothy and Titus, just so God puts young people around us that the elders can help to train them and then raise them up and release them into leadership and what they have for them. We as a church have been blessed and fortunate for about the last 16 years to have John and April with us doing just a marvelous job of serving here. Um, first to the young adults and then to everybody, first with just worship, but then in a much broader scale. We're blessed that though they have had opportunities to leave this church and to go to much larger churches, they have chosen to stay here. They have chosen to stay here first because they are committed to what they believe God's calling them to, but also because they are committed to you and to this church. When they first came here, some of you will remember, they came here on a missions basis. How many of you guys remember that? We made commitments to support them on a missions basis. Uh, they knew they weren't going to get rich that way. They weren't going to make much money because no one who ever truly has a heart for serving God is in it for the money. But they also knew that God would take care of them as they stepped out and they followed God. They came first as a worship leader, then as a worship pastor, then as a young adults pastor, and now ultimately, finally today, as an associate pastor. And each change might seem minor to you, but each change reflects something that both I and the elders saw which is that there is an anointing, there is a calling that rests upon them for what they are doing. I believe that they have a gifting that God wants to release through them to the body. Uh, I believe that Pastor Jonathan carries a mantle that is a unique mantle of being able to draw people together. Uh, my wife and I will sometimes joke about it and call it a Pied Piper kind of anointing, is that people like to gather around them and be able to hear the vision that they have. With that all in mind, the elders and I have been discussing for quite some time this idea. We felt like God was saying that my time as senior pastor would soon be coming to an end. And that when that happened, we believed that God had already brought into our midst someone 
who would be carrying the mantle that the church needed for that time. And that someone is Pastor Jonathan. Uh, we believe that he would come here among us, he would serve among us, and that he would become then the lead pastor. I believe he's called, he's anointed, he's gifted, he's talented. And what I have said to people everywhere that I have gone, when we have talked about Pastor Jonathan, I have said that he does a much better job than I ever did or ever could. I believe he has a unique anointing for this new day that God is taking us to. Uh, it's not the first time, by the way, that this church has seen a new pastor. Uh, if you've been here any length of time at all, they have gone through several pastors. But in the past, every time there has been a transition, the former pastor has left an uproar. So this is different. This is a different scenario. This is the first time you have a senior pastor who has served for almost 30 years stepping out and another pastor stepping in. So it is a new day, a new system, a new strategy. And, and let me be clear, this transition that I am talking to you about today with Pastor John becoming the lead pastor and me stepping out, this transition isn't because I'm upset or quitting or because I'm being displaced. I, I believe this transition has actually been years in the making. I can still remember when we first had conversations about what might God be saying about this couple and their place in our body. And we have been praying about it and discussing it for those years. For the next two years, I will be serving this body as the senior pastor, and I'm calling myself the senior pastor mostly just because I'm old, but I will be serving this body as a senior pastor, much as I have, Pastor John will be stepping in as the lead pastor. I'll still be here. I'll still be serving. You'll still see me preaching. You'll still be seeing me meeting with people. I will still use every bit of ethos that I have developed over the years in order to impact this town for the gospel. All this stuff that I'm still involved with, I will still be involved with. Um, as far as most of you guys are concerned, the upfront won't look a whole lot different probably. But behind the scenes, there will be some significant difference. Um, this transition allows this newly set in, newly called and anointed leader to take this church in a way and in a direction that he believes God is calling it to. Now, uh, where am I at in all of this? Well, I've got to tell you the truth is that I am excited. I'm excited for what God will do through my son, and his wife and family. I'm also excited because unlike what most often happens when a pastor steps out of being the pastor and someone else steps in as the pastor, most often the pastor who was has to leave the church and even leave the area so as to not cause any kind of issue between the church and the pastor. But because, number one, this is my son and he knows that I am going to do nothing but that which will augment his ministry, and because this is my church, just like this is your church, this is my church. It's been my church for 30 years. It will remain my church. So I will become a part of this church just like you're a part of this church, and I will support and do everything that I can to see this church become all that God intended it to be in this new day. I am stepping out so that there can be a stepping in. And lest you somehow think that this is just somehow something that just has just suddenly happened whimsically, We've actually been working on this for years. 
This is not something that is new to me or to the elders or to Pastor John or to April. I trust that you will show Pastor John and April the same love, the same support, and the same respect that you have shown Karen and I over all of these years. I love our church. I love it dearly. I speak well of our church everywhere I go. No matter where I am, I laud you as a people and this church. I, I'm still a part of the team. I'm 100% committed to seeing God take this church into this new place that he has for us. So as we move forward, starting in January, I will be part-time. Uh, I'm not even sure what that looks like. And I don't know that anybody does yet. I guess we'll have to figure that out as it goes along. But I will be part-time. I will still be here. You'll still see me preaching and teaching at various things and meeting with people. Uh, and as soon as COVID allows, we're going to have a celebration in which Pastor John in April will be officially set in as the lead pastor. We'll invite folks from Elam to come, some prophetic folks to come, and we will have a huge party celebrating the goodness of God that he has given to us through this couple who are already a part of us, but who will be stepping into a new role as the lead pastor. I believe that uh, God is taking us in a new way, and that new way means that we need new leadership. I believe I am not the person to take us into that new place that God has for us, but that Pastor John is. And so I believe we're looking at wonderful new possibilities in God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We're coming into a new day. It needs new strategy. The old needs to be left behind. In this case, I'm representing Moses, the only difference being that I'm not dead. Um, and I will still be able by God's grace, unlike Moses, to go into the promised land with all of you under the leadership of Joshua, our Joshua, Pastor Jonathan. So would you stand with me? If you have questions or wonderings or I have not been clear enough for you, which I could understand, tried to make this carefully, uh, please feel free to talk to me or to Pastor John, Karen, whatever is most comfortable for you, and we will try our best to help you to understand better. But again, officially starting in January, I will be half-time, part-time, and that Pastor John will be the lead pastor of Family Life Church. Father, we thank you for the reality of the grace of God that you have given us as a body over all of these years. I thank you for the many wondrous things you have done among us. I thank you for the miracles. I thank you for the lives that have been touched and changed forever. But I also know, Father, that it seems clear from your word and from the sense of your spirit that we're in the midst of a new day dawning. And that new day, you have amazingly already provided for us a new leader who has new strategy new vision, new strength for the day. And Father, I believe that your blessing, your presence will rest upon Jonathan in the same way that it did 
upon Joshua. I'm reminded that when they took the tent of the meeting and set it outside of the camp, separate from even the Ark of the Covenant, they set the tent of meetings outside. and The scripture says that Joshua stayed there in the presence of the Lord. Father, our longing and our prayer is that you would so vest your presence in Jonathan and in April that we would begin to see a shift already happening. That you would bless them with health and fullness, abundance of life, with the finances that they have need of as a family, and with the grace from God to lead this people. I pray your blessing upon them on every level and that you would bless this house in this new day that you have for us. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.